The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. I had somebody, and this was at our church, who had said, oh, I didn't know that you and Holly had a podcast. And I said, yeah, they said, I started listening to it. They said, it's one of the few that I listen to. I said, oh, who else do you listen to? And they said they listen to yours. And so then I felt honored. I was like, whoa. Hold on. We're in the same sentence as Jonathan Puddle. This is probably the greatest one of the top 10, 15, 20 days of my life. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually a it's a, a real trip because I don't know. I don't know how it works as such with radio, but certainly I get little to no feedback 100%. from any episode. Really? I do. I put you yeah, we put tons of work in uh and you get next to nothing. I see the download statistics. And so I'm like, yeah. I know there's people, I know there's mm-hmm. growth, but it's really only these random kind of stories where someone's like, Oh yeah. Like since I quit the church, Jonathan Puddle is kind of my only connection to faith. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, wow. I, I feel like I might do everything differently. If I knew all of these things, if I had them in front of me, you know, all day long. But you just, I guess you just have to be yourself and trust the spirits in it somewhere. <laughs> it's true. But, we don't get any feedback unless it's negative feedback. I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, I get this. I get this. I mean, My favorite was this long email. It was like a dissertation. And the lady said, I can't run to the radio fast enough to turn it off as soon as I hear Johnny and Holly. <laughs> <laughs> and thank so you, then, Thank you, man, for taking the time to share that with me. I responded back and I said, Mom. We read these things. <laughs> Honestly, I have I have two audiences, and one of them is sort of like twenty to forty and North American based, and then the rest of my mother and all of her dear friends. Yeah, and yeah. some of them are staunch supporters, and it's really special. Yeah. yeah, it is when like the generation that went before us supports us and is praying for us and is like, "You better listen to that podcast. You'll learn something." I know. That's my Jonathan, right? Like, and then I, now I have to kind of self-censor because I'm like, oh, my mom's going to hear that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I will apologize to her on air. Yeah. yeah. And everybody, I think, just thinks I'm being facetious. And I'm like, no, oh, no, Rhonda Puddle will literally be hearing this within the next 100%. Oh, for sure. The the worst is, though, is that you'll have family members and, and us radio or podcast, whatever. They said, are you still doing that show? <laughs> Well, you, you can download every week. Yeah. You can listen to me every morning. Yeah. But you choose not to do both. It's My like heart hurts. Right here, Anyways, you know? I digress. Uh, we like to ask this skill testing question, Jonathan, because it's the hardest one that you will get. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? Uh, I was born in New Zealand to YWAM missionaries and grew up a YWAM kid, uh, traveled all over the world. And, you know, kind of raised Christian, as it were. Ended up living in Cambridge, Ontario for a little bit when I was four years old because there used to be a YWAM base near here. Uh, fun fact. And then um, settled back in New Zealand. And when I was a teenager, my parents moved to Toronto to join the revival. And so I've kind of been church or church adjacent or church deep uh, kind of my whole life and never had any grid for uh, what I wanted to do professionally uh, or any of that. Ended up working on staff at a church in a whole variety of roles. One day, burned out. Hmm. And then a friend of mine said to me, you know what, man? 
you've been chasing this thing and I don't even, I don't know what it is. And I don't know if you know what it is, but I feel like ultimately you're just like a living room pastor. Like sit down. This is what, what you do is you sit down here with us in the, in the living room and you, you let us tell our stories and then you share some of your story. And then we end up all feeling more hope filled and like Jesus was present. And so mm. just, if you could figure out how to monetize that, I think you're set. <laughs> and so I have been, uh, ruthlessly trying to figure out how to monetize that for the last five years. And uh, here we are. So there's some, there's some books that I've put out. There's the podcast. There's um, I I'm a volunteer pastor that monetizing isn't working, but uh, I pastor kids at a church in, in Kitchener. Uh, my wife and I are also foster parents. And so, yeah, there's a whole, and, and we have uh, three other uh, biological kids of our own. So, you know, we do a bit of this and a bit of that. I, uh, I'm also kind of a consultant for all range of things, uh, from kind of pastoral coaching to wow. self-publishing books and, and marketing. And really, it's just like, okay, well, what's up today, Holy Spirit? And what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds really probably faith-filled and glamorous. Yeah. It's a lot of fear and hard work. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah. Well, I thought I detected a bit of an accent, so I'm glad that you said that you had time in New Zealand, so I wasn't just hearing things. And um, yeah, it's where's where's the Holy Spirit going to lead today? Who knows? Yeah, totally right. And I think I was raised like I was raised in a very charismatic Pentecostal kind of space, which was very focused mm. on like hear the word of God for you and definitely never get it wrong and don't step off the narrow path or you'll be burned forever. And I think uh, with a little bit more time and journeying, there's kind of like this interesting thing where, where as you grow in maturity, I I think, I think there are these years of our life where God kind of brings the boundaries in a little closer to just teach us some things. Like no one wakes up in the morning and says, "Mm, obedience, delicious. (laughs) But there comes a day when our hearts are actually a bit more transformed uh, and the things that bring God joy also bring us joy. This, this is hopefully the trajectory for all of us. Right. And so you wake up on these days and on the one hand, it's like God says, um, well, here's what I'm going to do today in the world. Would you like to tag along? Because certainly we must believe that the spirit has been active before any of us were, so that's happening. And then at the flip side, it's sometimes like, I feel like God says, well, well, what are you doing today? Like, what do you hmm. want to do? And do you mind if I tag along? So I, I feels like both of those things hopefully become true in our lives uh, as we grow. Did you think that ministry was always going to be a thing for you or that you were <laughs> going to do pasteurizing or because your parents were so heavily involved? No, literally, I was think I was sitting here thinking, you know, what's my why me story? Because uh, my psychological profile is very much like the helper. I will help everybody. If you're an enneagram yeah. person, I'm a two, and so I never really lament why me because my psychology is well. Of course, it's me because mm-hmm. I must serve and save everybody because I'm secretly Jesus. Um, <laughs> this is the mess that I'm untangling myself from. Sure. <laughs> If, yes. if that sarcasm is not clear to your listeners. Anyway, yeah, the why me story is why the heck did the spirit call me back into pastoral ministry? Hard pass on that if I had the choice. Mm. Uh, we actually, um, my wife and I, shortly after we got married, we moved to Finland and we lived there for five, six years. Had kids there, loved it. Ended up back in Canada. But through this time, we we ditched the institutional church 
we really felt like God, uh, you know, the, the faith deconstruction that everyone's talking about today because yeah. like they're young and edgy. Well, that yeah. was 15 years ago for some of us. Yes. <laughs> and, and, leaving the church was this terrifying thing. And then what we discovered out in the wilderness was God alive and well out mm. there. Uh, as, as my friend Jonathan Martin says, you know, when, when you leave the Holy city, it turns out that it's Jesus walking beside you uh, on the road. That's the uh, road to Emmaus story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we ended up moving to Guelph a few years ago and turning up at our friend's church kind of on a whim. We're like, oh, well, you know, we've got kids now. Maybe they should see some church stuff. And uh, we got friends pastoring over in Kitchener. And we walked in, and it was just a chaotic mess and kids running around and, and guy emceeing, holding a kid. And I'm like, well, this looks like my home, and this looks like my life. And we and I went and we sat down in the second to front row specifically because I knew I would pull my phone out and zone out if I was sitting any further back. And so I'm sitting down there and within minutes, both my wife and I felt like the spirit was saying, make this home, Mm. put down roots here, serve these families, learn to love these people. Mm. And I was like, uh, can I opt out, please? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Christians are the worst. (laughs) It's not an email subscription. It's God's calling. Oh, I know. So that was, uh, that was five years ago. And yeah, we, we pastor there. And, and, and then, and then it turns out all the rest of the work I do is essentially like itinerant missionary work where I'm begging for monthly support. So I have become my parents, uh, which is priceless. Um, it was interesting because our old church that my wife and I went to, we sat in the front row because it was the only place available at that time. And the pastor that morning had said, where you, I could tell where you are in your faith by where you sit in church. And so I felt like if I sat in the second row the next weekend, people would think that I'm backsliding. <laughs> so I sat in the front row for years until we ended up going to a different church. And now I sit in the back. So then that way, nobody knows where I'm at. Man, pastors love those kinds of statements. Right? Like I, think, I think it's just like an authority flex, hmm. right? Like I'm a pastor, so I feel like I have a certain permission to rag on pastors. And man... I, I, I get what it feels like. I was working on a sermon today and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got this sweet, like slap down statement. That's totally accurate, like false and not loving, <laughs> but it just imbues me with a sense of power and authority. And I mean, my journey as well is if you haven't done the inner work, then you're going to have to prop yourself up with statements like that. Hmm. And uh, I think we can easily look around tragically, especially in this moment and see pastors, ministries, organizations, folks who have not done the work on themselves um, and have yeah. built elaborate systems to prop up what they won't do internally. And the end result for everybody is, is suffering. I think the, um, the best leader to look for is the one who doesn't want to lead. They understand. Yeah. So thank you for endorsing my ministry. Holy <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm Holly Taylor. <laughs> a, f- a friend said to me recently, he's like, you know what? I've watched your work. And he's, he's known me for like uh, 20 years. <laughs> and he's, he gives me a hard time. He's like, you know what? It seems to me that you help church people leave the church mm. and you help non-church people find the church. And maybe that's okay. <laughs> I thought, okay, all right, well, yeah. play it down the middle. 
And, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we're being all things to all people so that we might save a few. Well, you arrived in Toronto at the height of the revival. I remember hearing even out in Alberta about the revival happening at the airport church and how it was just electric. A, how old were you? Cause I'm kind of curious. Like, was it a formidable or a formidable years for you? And then to like, I was 13. Thir- okay. So, so yes, 13. <laughs> And now you are in the midst of the revival at the Toronto Airport Church at that time. What was that like? It was um, okay. On the one hand, it was a trip. Like I had never, I'd never seen a church even that big. Like New Zealand, certainly at that time, I don't know about today, but does not have anything near kind of the mega church status. And even the the, the church that's now called Catch the Fire. <laughs> Mega church is only a word we could use in a Canadian context, right? Like we can seat 3,000 or 2,000. I was like, whoa, mega That's church. huge. <laughs> huge. <laughs> so I had never seen anything that big. I'd never seen that many people in a room. I've probably never been to a concert that, that big. And I definitely never seen people rolling on the floor or, or laughing or, or crying in church. You know, at my church growing up, like one hand was definitely kind of the limit of emotional expression. One hand yeah. raised. But I'm a big emotions expressive guy. And something about landing in Toronto actually was like, okay, cool. Well, let's, let's go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also read a lot of fantasy and sci-fi, so it could have been that. Either way, I was like, my family moved us here from New Zealand. It better be some kind of weird. Like, I didn't move to go to the same church we came from. So, yeah. so it, it was interesting. But, but what, what, this is my apologetic for the charismatic movement and it's the only one i'll offer the spirit is real uh cosmically and fundamentally in the world the holy spirit is present and doing work and active and uh and so i arrived at a church that was really interested in encountering god that believed god was real that god was hearable that god was meetable in the here and now and for a teenage boy that was really wonderful to be like god is knowable and uh and has hope and joy and love for your life. And you know, like that prod- story of the prodigal son, like that's that father, that's what God is like. And so my theology is really formed around God as a loving father, which I thought was normal until I began speaking to Christians as an adult and realizing, no, a lot of people have still grown up with a violent, angry, retributive kind of figure that Jesus keeps us safe from. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm thankful. There's a lot of things that I later choose to kind of, you know, this part maybe was a little overemphasized or this part was a little bit weird. Or maybe this part was actually just people reacting to God and it wasn't God as such. All that's in the mix together. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up serving on staff there for 13 years. And the church that we pastor in today is uh, a totally autonomous church plant from that movement. Oh, wow. Full circle. That's right. (laughs) We look at the 60s and the 70s into the 80s and the the Jesus movement. And now you hear all you hear now is the negative about the deconstruction and people walking away. And, you know, do you think we're ever going to get back to the 60s, the 70s and the 80s and the Jesus movement? Or is it because it seems like it's now a downward trend and everybody's so negative. So that. Okay, so I've lived half of my life in New Zealand and in Europe, right. uh, places that are, are way beyond the 
the Christian nation era and mindset. And so that kind of issue has never even really occurred to me. Like I didn't grow up in a world where the Christian narrative was the dominant one beyond my personal family life. I didn't grow up in a culture that felt overly shaped by Judeo Christian values. And I think it, it's worth asking the question, right? Like at which point was, were our nations Christian nations when we were uh, robbing it from the indigenous people or when we were like enslaving people of different, of different colors? Like was that when we were the faithful God fearing people? I'm not sure. Like I know I'm being a little bitter That's ironic. Fine. But it's true, I, though, right? Like I more honestly, acts. I, I think this deconstruction thing is the best thing to happen to the church. Yeah, mm. I I know it's scary, and I know the fruit is different from what a lot of people are looking for. But if you are a history, a, a student of the history of the church, or if you study past revivals, that is how it works. Every single move of God ends up being persecuted by whoever had come before it. Uh, no one, no one is ready for whatever comes next, really, except, you know, this very small group of mystics and contemplatives who just kind of are like, oh, well, God is present in all things and we shall just trust all things. Like mm-hmm. trust God in all things rather. Um, so I, I really, I really think that, uh, this wave of people questioning things about their faith and about the church is the, is the best possible thing to happen to people's faith. Uh, I know, I know it's painful. I know it's scary. And I, I remember, uh, reading, um, uh, what's his name from Hulk Nelson. Um, oh, you know, yes. Jonathan Steingard, yeah. Jonathan Steingard. Um, I'm, I'm family friends with a whole bunch of the Steingards. So I have to watch how I share this story, but I just remember reading what he was saying about the God he was walking away from. And every part of my being said, that absolutely is a God you should be walking away from. I don't believe in that God. And I think that's, uh, I think that's the invitation for any of us who are, who are a little bit in a, in a already an older segment. Can you guys believe that we are now in that older segment category? Uh, Sorry if you weren't already there. You are. (laughs) Um, there. I see your beard is as white as mine. Uh, I'm 25. Holly. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought I tweezed that. Uh, yeah. Whoops, this one. But seriously, like to, to see the spirit of God at work in another group is always going to be scary, is always going to be foreign. But I think for the, the best way that people can get to the heart of, of who God truly is, is to reject the lies and the nonsense. And, um, and I think we can trust that God is big enough that he's got us and them in his hand. And maybe you actually can't run away from God, even if you think you can. The, I'm going to air quote, deconstruction movement, I love because it's challenging what we grew up believing. And when, you know, it was gospel coming from humans, and we we're just like, oh, we can't, we can't say that that's false. This whole new generation is asking the whys. Is that right? Why do we do that? And I think it's healthy to ask questions and to challenge the way things were. Otherwise, how do we stay on track with what the Bible really is saying? Totally. And it's, and there's so many layers to that, right? Because we've been raised, as you said, trust the leader. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then all the leaders turned out to be sexual abusers. Uh, so that's a problem. Yeah. Then, uh, w- even the follow the leader thing is still kind of built on this really individualistic way of approaching life that is rampant here in North America. And so everything is sort of me and my personal Jesus. 
which is true in the sense that he is your personal savior and longs for a individual unique relationship with every one of us. But you know how many words are in the Bible? How many pages and stories uh, across 3000 years of human culture that's so far removed, like nobody read that book alone in isolation until the last 200 years for all of human history. It was shared and discussed in community. And so to, to your point of how do we stay true to what the Bible actually says? I mean, how could we possibly think that we could remember enough <laughs> to do that? without the breadth of community. Uh, and so I, th- I think that's part of what's intriguing to me about deconstruction and about the church and being a pastor who often encourages people to leave the church is, is saying, find people to journey with. Find a group of found family, as you know some people say. And stick with them for 10 years or 20 years and grow together and study together and read books together and see what, see what leaps out of scripture to you and see what the spirit illuminates to that person and learn from one another. Cause it, whether it's the leader or whether it's just us, it's not enough. And what, what's literally the first thing that God says to, to Adam? No, it's not good that uh, the man be alone. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what have we done? We've just built a very alone culture and society. Yeah. Um, and we wonder why things are going wrong. Yeah. Well, what did deconstruction look like for you since it was pre this new wave, it's, new wave deconstruction? It was so long ago. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was getting burned out on, on church busyness. Yeah. And between like, serving on staff at a church and, you know, being a small group leader and being in a small group and volunteering in this ministry and this thing, I was like, I would be here seven days a week and I'm run ragged mm-hmm. and I, and I am actually being held back from the fruit of the spirit being manifest in my life because this is destroying my human body. And that's a problem that like, surely something has gone wrong when this has become a, a factory and a machine. Uh, humans don't do great in machines. And so that was kind of where the, the chink in the armor, I guess, for me. And I started, I just started just going, hmm, that's weird. And then I think to add on to that, growing up in a very uh, hyper charismatic kind of environment, it was always listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit. But then they, on the backhand, it was kind of like, but the Holy Spirit will always tell you this. And I was like, well, hold on. That quite, can't quite compute. Like you're encouraging me to listen for myself and be obedient to the spirit, but you're also telling me to do what you say. Sometimes there's going to be at odds and you only need to uh, open the Bible to <laughs> discover a great many precedents of that. And so we, I was newly married and I'm questioning all these things. And my wife is like, oh no, my, I was promised this wonderful Christian man because we embraced purity culture and did all the things right. And it turns out that I was not the embodiment of all her hopes and dreams. Uh, sad story. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go to church anymore. And she's heartbroken. And then we moved abroad and it was the perfect excuse uh, to stop going to church. And, and in that, as I mentioned earlier, just discovered God saying, Hey, hi, I'm out here. Uh, burning bushes still going. Um, and it was like over a period of three or four years that it felt like God dismantled every part of our religious framework, 
I put the Bible down for five years because I didn't know how to find love in it. It it came across to me as like this misogynistic, uh, violent text. And I and I said, God, if this is you, you're going to have to teach me to find love in here again, because I know that you're love. And five, six years later, I, I picked it up and it was a different text. It was a totally different thing. And hilariously, uh, my next book is a daily Bible devotional for men. Uh, which was also like, what, why? Um, <laughs> and, and so really for me, it was like this really sacred journey of God saying, hey, come outside the holy city, as it were, and let's you and I journey in the wilderness like my people Israel, where I had to break down all of their idolatry from living 400 years in Egypt and teach them directly from my hand who I am so that they could then go into the new land and teach their children, which... Uh, is a really great parallel for (laughs) the events of my life. Hmm. Amazing. And now you are writing a book. So you have like your fingers in so many things. Wrote the book. (laughs) Too many things. Yeah. Wrote the book. Yeah. My first book came out. uh, My first book, You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You, uh, came out in 2020. And I was kind of like, oh man, I'm launching a book in the pandemic. That's so, so lackluster except everyone was at home feeling terrible about themselves. And, and it's been time to read. They had it's nowhere to go. Time. I know. I know. So it's been hugely successful, which is very, very humbling. I self-published that and had no kind of no backing, but it's just, it's literally taken off and sold like crazy. And Amazing. I, it's so, so humbling. I get these, these emails written in and people are like, I've followed Jesus for 60 years. Hmm. And I'm on day three of your devotional. And for the first time, I could accept maybe that God could love me. Wow. Mm. And I'm like, who, like, that's just too much of an honor to hold people's stories like that. So, yeah, that that's a, a really interesting, fun journey that kind of weaves together um, some psychology and contemplative prayer practice and emotions and learning to hear God's voice and weaving all that into kind of a self-compassionate package that I think helps Christians, especially who are a little bit freaked out about like, oh, that sounds new agey. Uh, I'll baptize it with lots of scriptures, my friends. So uh, that's a, a, a fun book. And then, um, yeah, so the new one is Mornings with God, Daily Bible Devotional for Men, which uh, is a very search engine optimized title that my publisher came up with, <laughs> not me. So... <laughs> But but that was actually a really crazy challenge to write 365 devotions. Um, and, and, and really, I think, I don't, I, I don't know if you guys have spent much time writing or even, even, even in the, the radio work that you do, but sometimes you don't know what you've created until later. Yeah. And, and when it lands with people and you're like, oh, this is, this is what the spirit was birthing this whole time. Okay. Okay. And what this seems to be is a book for people who put the Bible down. Hmm. For those who who got disillusioned with it, or disappointed with it, or confused by it, um, and what I'm already hearing from folks is, as, and especially because it is kind of aimed at men, and uh, a lot of folks saying, yeah, you know, a lot of women, a lot of my audience is women, and uh, a lot of them saying, yeah, I gave this to my boyfriend, my husband, my son, and uh, and it he, it wasn't as bad as he thought it would be, and then he started. <laughs> getting into it. And he's like, yeah, okay, this could work. This could be a way that I could re-engage with scripture. So that, uh, that just feels really special. I didn't, I didn't, I was just trying to do a cool thing, but you know, it turns out that 
God's using it. So thank, thank one you. of the greatest compliments you could ever receive is I, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Almost certainly. In all honesty, because get forward. There, <laughs> right. There, there's so many times that, you know, uh, Holly and I doing radio or, or this show or whatever. And they're like, yeah, no, you actually, you did really good. It wasn't as bad as that. I'm like, well, that's perfect. Cause you, your expectations were right here. And I brought you eh, just up a little more. My, it's, it's so true. My wife's sister, we hassle her about this all the time. For some reason, she always says, Oh, it's actually good about anything, literally anything. Uh, uh so, you know, I make her dinner and we do whatever. Oh, it's actually good. Yeah. We went to see a movie. Oh yeah. It was actually good. <laughs> I guess when the bar is really, really low. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. Really good book. As a parent, right? Like, just lower your standards and you'll feel great about yourself. So, you know. We were just having that conversation, (laughs) Johnny. We really were. Like, yesterday morning about being a parent in 2022, how it feels like there are so many more expectations for us. We have to be psychologists for our kids. We have to understand what their Enneagram number is and how that relates to the Enneagram of their other kids plus our Enneagrams. And, and their love top, What's their like, wing numbers? Yeah, what's their wing number? And are they operating from a healthy perspective? What's a wing number? Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, Look at this amateur. Failing as a parent. Yeah, he's, he's new here. <laughs> Plus their love language, yeah. plus their yeah. blood type, and yes. how uh, how the gluten in their body reacts yeah. to their glycemic index or whatever. And lactose. It's I don't just know. Too much information. Like our parents were just like, "Yeah, we'll see you when the lights, the street lights come on." Like no yeah. expectations, no pressure. Just oh, they survived the day. High fives! And now totally. it's just it's so much more effort. It feels. I mean, and now the trampolines us. have. Oh, he- Pages around them. around them, or they're in the ground. That's what? outrageous. I've Why? seen those ones in the ground. Yes. Why are you in the ground? How can you jump off it? You just walk off it. You just walk off it. Where's the yeah. fun in that? This is like Where's the danger. The kids these days, <laughs> oh, right? So well, let's talk about kids then, because you said that you have you have some of your own, and then you uh, you you fostered as well. What came first? Uh, our biological kids. We okay. uh, had three kids. Um, and we just, my wife and I always, um, I, I keep saying my wife, her name is Maya. She prefers to not be out. I actually thought her name was my wife. My wife. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's a common misconception that many my people wife. make. Maya. <laughs> well, it's, it's trickier too, because her name is Maya. And often when the words string together, you know, people think like, I'm just saying yeah. my, like my, yeah. uh, wife. <laughs> anyway. We both have a lot of cousins in wider family that came through adoption or foster care. And so mm-hmm. it just seemed like it was always a value that we wanted to uh, lean into. So a couple of years ago, we just again felt that little nudge from the spirit. It didn't seem to like it makes sense. It didn't seem like it was the right time. But we said, okay, well, let's go and start the process. We walked into family services and said, hey, we'd like to learn about um, foster and adoption. And they basically were like, well, we don't really have a need for adoptive families. We have so many families waiting for kids, um, but we have a huge need for foster care. And so one thing led to another, and we've been uh, fostering for about a year now. Oh, nice. What an incredible journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's stretching. If you have a savior complex, like all the type twos in the room, I highly recommend you become a foster parent because it will be ground (laughs) out of your soul. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, guess I'm doing on Monday. <laughs> you doing on Monday. <laughs> and I have to do it perfectly because that's also a part of, you know, my new right. ground. You know, help people, totally. but be perfect. 
Yeah. So you're a two wing three, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, or a one. I don't know. You could go either way, I suppose. Yeah, it depends on the weather. <laughs> you know what? I've never done an Enneagram because I cannot be bothered. You guys <laughs> are, fun. you know, I I'm just... deconstructing my Enneagram. Because I'm a people pleaser, I took the test. <laughs> There it is. See, me too. I was like, Meh. but actually, to be honest, it. It, it saved, kind of saved my marriage. So uh, it's been very helpful in my life. But you've got to go beyond. You've got to be on. You got to go beyond the t-shirts and the coffee mugs and the stupid Instagram accounts. Forgive me if you're running one of those stupid Instagram accounts. Um, you've got to go to a slightly deeper level and really work through that. That's where the Enneagram and any of these other tools are the most healthy is when you use them to go, okay, what are the deep systems and patterns that are running in my life where I draw my value from? Essentially, what is, what is the false self that I'm propping up here? When Paul says, you know, we need to die to ourselves. That's the the specific self he's talking about. He's talking about this illusory false self that we spend our lives constructing to try and please everyone and to try to uh, ensure against all the things we're terrified of. Yeah. That's what we've got to learn how to lay down. And so that's where the Enneagram and and other tools uh, have been helpful. I found it quite freeing. I was like, did my childhood trauma give me a number that's not me? And then, you know, because I went through the test, I went through the, you know, hour counseling afterwards just to like, this is your number, let's dive deeper. And it's like, no, it's a it's a part of you. It just, it shifts your number just a little bit. But now that you know, you can figure out ways of approaching certain situations in a healthier way. So it was so freeing. Big like, time. I'm not supposed to be this person, but I am totally supposed to be this person. That isn't that, isn't that wild? It's like, it's like this God's like, okay, we got to make this massive two degree tweak. And then uh, (laughs) it's like, oh, I I get to be this person. Yeah. But I don't have to be. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. I actually just get like for me as the helper, right. And, and, and you, I guess, if you're saying similar, Holly, like I took my value from helping people. Yeah. So now I get to take my value as, as a child of God. And as a human being with intrinsic worth and value that has nothing to do with what I do, exactly. but I'm, but I'm allowed to help people because it yeah. brings me joy and it brings my father joy as well. It's like what Johnny says. Don't let your got to's become get to's. No. Don't let your get to be's become got to be's. Yes. You get to do this. You don't got to do this. Yeah. That's a really good figure of speech when it's delivered properly. Yeah, which I butchered it because it's not my saying. That's why. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying that I delivered it butcherly. So oh, no, no, no. I was razzing on Holly for I, sure. I, I know what you meant. <laughs> that's okay. I don't have to be perfect. God still loves me. <laughs> Isn't that a great yeah, name? That's just what Enneagram number two say. <laughs> no, you should do your homework. Listen, I've, I can sit here and listen to you guys talk about it all the time. I'm like, that's great. So your book is new, newly out. It's a devotional and already positive feedback for you now that you get to do this and you don't have to do this. What are some of those things that you're hoping to build down the road? Uh, in the, in the short term roadmap, uh, this book, you are enough learning to love yourself the way God loves you that I put out two years ago. That one, I'm working on a version for children and their parents hmm. and, and that, um, is really a fun challenge to sort of try and boil it down to something that you could read like at bedtime mm-hmm. and, and just, and give some really simple question and answer practices that kids could go, okay, like God is proud of me today. I did the best I can. And that's all I can ever do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then and then also provides a bit more of the background for parents. Okay, here's here's how this works spiritually and psychologically, and, and, and here's why these things are important developmentally in the age of your child. So that is in development, and then I've also uh, working on a, a version for teens uh, with with a friend uh, who's who's a youth pastor, and we were working on that together. <laughs> and then she said, actually, you know what? Um, I feel like I need to hit pause on this work and go and get some therapy. And I, and I feel like I'm failing. I'm like, that is literally the one sign of success. (laughs) (laughs) You've decided that that's a need. Go for it. So those, yeah, those are the same message, but trying to translate them into different formats and mediums. And, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of other things kicking around that I just, I'm trying to sense really what, what the moment is. Cause actually none of the books that I've actually written were the books I plan to write. Mm-hmm. I've had this really great world changing book uh, for like six years that I've been writing that it turns out to be garbage every time I pick it up. So, you know, that really is like, okay, if you've learned to love yourself and you've you learned that God loves you and God is happy and, and God created you in his image to be free and powerful and beautiful and wonderful. How do you then go to work and how do you raise a family and how do you go to church and how do you, how do you interact with society as a God like person? That's the idea. And I think the fact is, is I had to do a bit more living before I could, I could write that message. So, you know, maybe in the next five years, that book will, will come out. Holly keeps trying to pressure me to do one. I, I am. Maybe in it's terrible. Years. I'm not, writing, I'm not as, writing as eloquent as, as Jonathan. I'd be like, well, stuff happened and things. So here's some other stuff. <laughs> That's the foundation of any book, though. You just extrapolate from there. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had said earlier that uh, now you spend time begging for money. So instead of you begging, um, how can we support you? What's the, what's the best way to uh, be able to do something like that? Well, for, for folks who want to grab the books, they're on Amazon, they're at Indigo, they're anywhere you, you, you get books. You can find them in paperback and Kindle and all those other ones. Uh, if you jump on jonathanpuddle.com, you'll find all my writing. You'll find my podcast, The Podcast, uh, which is kind of on a monthly rhythm right now. I used to be every two weeks or every week. I don't know. It's been all kinds of things over the years, but you'll find that. If you really love what I'm doing, jump on my Patreon. Three bucks a month will get you in and... Uh, then we do a bunch more kind of more close-up relationship and, and chat and so on. And go follow on all the socials at Jonathan Puddle. Puddle is exactly the word you think it is. And uh, yeah, love to love to connect. So you did all the hard work and heavy lifting for me. <laughs> I can never tell, like, as a, as a host, whether I should ask that question or whether I should do it in the post role. And sometimes it just seems to be the right question to ask. And so you do it and that's what you did. And, and I felt good answering it. So here we are. Well done. Everybody. Here we are. It's, thank goodness the 20 years of me doing interviews, it's, you know, finally paid off. Here we go. <laughs> July, 2022, my friends. For this moment, for such a time as this. Yes. <laughs> I get to do this. I don't got to do this. There Amen. it is. Amen. Oh, Jonathan, my friend, this has been great. Thank you for taking some time. Absolutely. My pleasure. This has been life giving you guys. And thank you for what you guys are doing. Cause honestly, I remember like a couple of years ago asking, asking a, a, a friend in the book industry, like, who are my peers? And, and he was like, Oh yeah, Holly and Johnny. And I was like, okay, yes, yes, yes. I need to, I need to connect with them. So just, you know, big ups to this work in this country, uh, in this time. Thank you. We have said it before that 
if you want to feel like you're not doing anything in your life, just talk to everybody that we talk to. Yeah. And Jonathan Puddle would be one of those. I'll say this then. If you want to see people who are way smarter than us, Jonathan, also one of those people. He's a, a two for two. I feel like now, not only do I need to get all of his books and read them, I just need to get him on speed dial to call him to pick his brain on life. <laughs> right? <laughs> At least I just have to go up this, the road, so I'm good. Yeah. Just, you know, pop into his church and be like, yo, I got questions. I mean, he said that he takes, like, maybe he does, like, Zoom things. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'm willing to pay for his friendship. <laughs> I just loved his authenticity. It was a fun conversation today. I definitely took notes. There was a lot of great mm. nuggets. And um, just hearing about his why me moment and and what that looks like. It's, um, yeah, today was a lot of fun. Download, uh, subscribe, tell friends, tell family members, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify. Maybe you're on Stitcher. You're on Pure Volume. Holly's trying to get ICQ back. We're asking Jeeves. And then there's other places too. Of course. And if that was overwhelming and over your head, just go to faithstrongtoday.com. 